BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Den Talks podcast is powered by denanywhere.com. You guys go to denanywhere.com now, no matter where you live in the world, and you can take our classes virtually and live. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up for just $29.99 a month. You get a limited access to our classes with over 150 a month to choose from. Plus, most of them are archived, so if you can't make the exact time, you can catch them later. We still also have our workshops and our certifications now all accessible to you no matter where you are. Go to denanywhere.com. Hello, welcome to Dentox Podcast. This is Tal, and today we have a master hypnotherapist on. Isn't that fun? Her name is Juliet Abodo, and like I said, she's a master hypnotherapist and an NLP master practitioner. And her goal is to help treat, heal, and transform various traumas from all different people and to facilitate them to success. And that's what she does. She works with a lot of people on their new companies and what they want to do and breaks them out of how can you have a company? How can you have success? How can you grow a business while still operating with anxiety or depression? depression. Um, and what we talk about today is really important and relates to everybody because we talk about the idea of how powerful your mind is and how powerful your brain is and that it really does have so much control over you and how so much of that, those stories and what you're going through actually start from the second you're born and even before. So a lot of what you're trapped in now that makes you feel like you keep losing or unable to create or you're getting stuck in the same places um, or you're just still crippled with anxiety is stuff that you don't even realize has been programmed into you for so long, from so long ago. But the beauty is just like it has so much control over us, we can re-control it. We can reprogram it through basic things you can do every day that she talks about to also deeper hypnosis, the ability of removing some of these patternings and creating a new one. It's pretty amazing, but more importantly, it's a way to get to know yourself better like we always like to do on this podcast. It is a way to go back within and be comfortable and start to know where it is you're coming from, what it is you want, so that your goals are very clear cut. And when you can get there, everything starts to go a little bit easier. So I hope you like this episode. Go on to our website, go on to Dentalks Podcast, um, and also go on to our Facebook page and drop us a line. 
So you're in Brooklyn. Yeah, I was um, on the West Coast. I was in LA actually. And I was supposed to go to Palm Springs towards the end of last year. But then uh, California had the second lockdown. It was just like, all right, let me just <laughs> Where were you for the first lockdown? Were you in um, LA so or New York? I, I went to New Jersey actually um, because I have family in Central Jersey. It was it was wild in New York, really wild. Like nothing was on the shelves. We barely have like stores really anyway, and so it was. And then people were ordering Amazon Prime, but people were stealing like their toilet paper and stuff from their stoops. So I was like, I think I'm gonna go with. Like my family's very intuitive. So I was just like, I think I need to just go to New Jersey. So I just left and it was like the perfect time. Yeah, it's funny. New York was tough. I mean, you see a lot of people making t-shirts that say I stayed in New York through the lockdown because yeah. it's like something to be proud of now, like that badge <laughs> of honor. Yeah. Wait, so are you from New Jersey? Yeah, I'm from where, Jersey. Where in, where in Central Jersey? Um, Piscataway, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Jersey too. Oh, okay, cool. I love Jersey people. <laughs> We're in Jersey. Uh, I'm from North, right outside of New York, actually. Oh, okay. So like near Englewood, that area. Oh, cool. I love Englewood. So pretty. Yeah, it is really pretty. Oh my God. Yeah. So fellow Jerseyan. I love that. Yeah. So, and I love that you then went to LA. You're like hitting all the hot spots. You're just like bouncing around. You're like, where's the hottest epicenter I can I go? And let me just, <laughs> let me just find my way there. <laughs> Living live life on the edge, on the viral edge. <laughs> <laughs> the viral edge. Um, how has it been for you? I mean, I'm really excited to have this conversation you're doing so much incredible work. And I, I'm like, I don't actually even know where to start because there's so many areas I want to cover. But I mean, we're talking about the pandemic. How have you felt that working in hypnosis and what you do has really been imperative for what's going on? Honestly, like I, in terms of timing, divine timing, the when when I started my training and the fact that I went through so much and it was like, I did a future pace hypnosis and my future self told me that I would um that I should see over 150 clients and I'm an introvert and a my human design is generator so I was like what (laughs) I can't even have 100 people in my phone contacts what are you talking about (laughs) and and so I went with this I just like went and started just seeing all these clients and preparing and honing my craft honing my and building my strength to my energy source and really just like building that muscle over 2019. So by the time 2020 came around, it was like I was the last dragon, like, all right, this is <laughs> what I've been preparing for. So um talking, see my future, I wish she told me like, and by the way, you should go to like Mexico and Bali really quick too. I know, <laughs> like, get a little like get some sun while you can. Um, <laughs> But it was, it really, really prepared me for that because uh, 2020 was just a big breakdown of a lot of paradigms and ideologies and belief systems that I also um, still had too. So having that foundation as building, as I did my self, my road to self-actualization and then working with clients and see and being a mirror for them really prepared me for that and being able to hold space for more people at a time also helped me um, with my practice as well so 
I'm sorry. What was the yeah, well, first of all, I want to tell the I want to tell the audience you're going to do your personal practice at the end is going to be a future pace hypnosis meditation, right? Yeah, it's going to be a meditation kind of Great. really like a visualization. So you can do it um, right before you go to work or anything. So it won't take you deep into trance. But I just love time- that people yeah. are going to get them titillating them because it's like, <laughs> it's like look, you, saw, you got something huge out of it. And so you're going to share that with us. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we were talking about why what you do now is so imperative to what is needed out there with what's going on with the pandemic. Yeah, just people are seeing how powerful our minds are. A lot of people were feeling symptomatic when they didn't even have it, but just the thought of it. And a lot of the fear made certain um, people feel worse than they would have if they didn't even know what they had. So we're kind of realizing the power of our minds and how we really need to start building homes within ourselves and around us that we can feel comfortable being in. Like there's really no escape. Yeah. So no more escapism. So that means you have to take the time to heal and build something that you actually want to stay and sit in. But I mean, that's huge because I feel like, especially in, you know, the well, we've been talking about it a lot lately, especially in the wellness community, there is a whole avenue of escapism. And it's, it's funny, because you would think that with what we do, where it's like, it's all about getting to know yourself. And you would think that it would be about staying and doing the work. I mean, that's what we always preach. But so often, the avenue is really, you know, the word spiritual bypass, it's like so annoying, actually, it's so overused, but it is true. It's this idea that you can so take this idea of like, hey, I'm providing such good energy, I'm creating a better world, but yet you're not actually doing anything. And I and I feel like you're seeing it really clearly now. I know people are sick of me talking about it, but like with the conspiracy theories, you're seeing how easily people can shift thoughts or join camps of like one school of thought, whatever that means, whatever extreme it is, you don't have mm-hmm. to have a certain point of view to be part of this conversation. It's, you can so easily be swayed because you're not actually shifting anything in your foundation. You're not actually changing anything and getting to know yourself. So you're just latching on to whatever sounds good and thinking the healing is magically happening in whatever you've latched on to. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is And, you know, it's like we are conditioned and taught to look outside of ourselves. Um, There was something going around where people were like, most of our dark night of our first dark night of the souls happened when we started school, like kindergarten (laughs) for a lot of people. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? There's some truth to that because you really become. And then I see my friends' children. I don't have any children, but I have friends. So I can see, like, I'll see them when they're toddlers, right? And then when they start school, it's like they, they're, I, they shift, like well, their talk identity more about shifts. That. Talk more about that. Like to refer, to, I like this idea of what you're saying. The dark night of the soul is kind of like when in kindergarten, what does that mean exactly? Like your, your whole world just changes. So you have this, I like you're a little kid or you're four or five and you've, your parents created this world for you and you kind of have some type of rules. Like when I, when I have something, it's mine. Or when I do this, it's mine. Or when I want to go to the bathroom, I can. But then you go to school and it's like, not on my watch. You need to ask to go to the bathroom. If someone takes your toy and you make a, and you're upset about it, too bad. And it's just like, you start to, and these new rules don't feel right to your soul, your little soul. So you just like kind of 
break down and then you're so then they rebuild you <laughs> into the system uh, based on the school system and and so you you know a lot of adults now a lot of millennials and gen z are kind of ex seeing the <laughs> like what for what it is like the false ideals and the false programming because that is why we're now kind of like falling apart because we're holding on to these structures as these structures fall apart we fall apart because we weren't designed to really hold on to them we were supposed to be holding on to ourselves so a lot of people are now realizing that they were basically living in a house of cards so that's interesting so basically what you're saying is this idea of you know, from kindergarten on, you're taught, hey, this is the system around you. You have to define yourself by this system. You're good when you're behaving within the system and you're doing the system and you're bad when you're not. And so subconsciously, whether you realize it or not, you've, like you said, you're now one with a house of cards. And so now that these systems are falling apart, a lot of people don't have enough self-strength or self-sufficiency, whether they realize it or not, because they were so subconsciously dependent on those systems telling them if they're good or if they're bad or if they're right or they're wrong, then now they're just like, who the fuck am I? And the bottom has fallen and I'm terrified. Yeah. And I, identity is something that has really come into play um, because there seems to be lines being drawn in the sand for uh, different intersections and people that were holding on to one identity, but they see there is intersectionality within them. Now they're like, wait, but I feel this way. Am I supposed to feel this way? Am I allowed to have a, this opinion? Am I allowed to express this? Open up that a little bit more too. So like talk about like an example of someone with an identity and then all of a sudden there's intersectionality. Yeah, so as a black woman, um, I I have to deal with my my feminist ideologies. I'm using feminism just as a term that people can understand, and then also within the black community. So a lot of times, black women are always put on the back burner when it comes to talking about our struggles within the black community. So it was, but I was, when I started to try to push black women and their stories and struggles to the forefront, I was kind of, people were kind of looking at me like, oh, you're not, you know, you're not playing for the team or you're not being a team player. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> so then it, it, I started to build, really realize what my values are and what's important to me for myself and my identity. And I've been now pushing this ideal to Black women to move away from being the mule to being the matriarch, you know, mm -hmm. and those ideals. And then also, as a woman, um, having to do some structures within that, and then, and then um, within, I'm also Nigerian. My my background is Nigerian, so um, being. African have being first generation. So, so dealing with that. So it was just so many of these things and these facets that were kind of, you know, on the outside there's friction, but internally there shouldn't be because right. I can embody all of this at once. And so now I'm really, really promoting truly embodying who you are, all facets and understanding and really taking time to look within and how you feel, how does this make you feel before you try to 
do what is right. It's so interesting because it starts at a, it's funny going back to the kindergarten of it all. It starts at a very simple place. You're Mm -hmm. right. You're taught very early, you know, how to think, what to do, what is right. So what your role is, as what you're Mm -hmm. saying, like what your role is and what you're supposed to play. So when you kind of get out of that role, it feels like danger, like danger zone, or you don't even understand how to do it. Or some people just never will. And then they're not at one or at peace within themselves. But it's funny because even in kindergarten, I find myself teaching my daughter who is five. So it's the right age all the time. Like whenever she has a strong opinion about something being like, that's great, but not everybody feels that way. Or, you know, if she doesn't have an opinion, it's like you, you can like this or you don't like that. Just always trying to make sure that at the core of it, it's every single person is going to be shaped completely differently from likes to dislikes to how they like to smell, how they like to eat, what their opinions are, what they're supposed to do for exactly this reason. It's this like, there's no way you can perfectly describe somebody, anybody. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. going to be so different from person to person, culture to culture. Like it's just always different and, um, and nothing's good or bad within that. It all just is. Um, so it's so interesting. You realize like how many constraints happen that we subconsciously put on ourselves that were subconsciously put on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then there is, as someone that is a healer and that's someone that really focuses on empowering people to look for natural solutions so they could not become dependent on substances or anything else. Um, that also caused some friction because like, for example, I'm speaking to people that, um, I know that the term high functioning is, is, is being shifted, but in terms of where you lie with, with your depression or your anxiety or what you're experiencing, it is not as severe where you have to become an inpatient, right? Mm-hmm. So you're still existing on the outside and you still have to maintain these rules though you are suffering internally. So I want to help people that were like me build this stronger internal foundation. And so I'm being, and I have to be more vocal about it. So I have to put myself on the line. And so when you put yourself that visibility, you become sometimes a target for other people in their frustration. So um, for example, I went viral on TikTok and, and it was a video about fear. And just like, I was sharing a fact about fear for people that had the most basic level, not, you know, in, in relation to everyone else, fear of success and fear of failure, because I'm speaking to entrepreneurs and leaders and it went viral and people were just like commenting about their, their fears and phobias. And so I'm not a psychiatrist, you know? So I, and I don't, I made sure people know that in my bio and people are like, you're being ableist. Like some people have phobias. I never said phobia in the video, never said anything about that, but it's just very interesting. Um, just learning that the more that you try to help people, the more you may have to put yourself on the line. So preparing to protect yourself and being sure that you're doing the right thing will guide you through that and help you float over or rise above that. It's so true. I mean, it's almost impossible because I'm a pretty, my problem is sometimes I end up like, I'm like, oh, I need to say this because this is really something that needs to be said. And then my brain works so quickly. I can think 20 steps ahead. I already know all the traps that you're falling into by saying that because I get it. I can see things from a million points of view. So I'm like that, but, and it's like, 
by the time you then construct it in a way that just like, I'm like, well, now it's like lost. It's not, it doesn't have any of the, it's not potent anymore. And now I'm not really saying anything anymore, but you just know, it's like, everyone has an opinion and Mm -hmm. usually you're speaking towards an area or like you said, you were speaking towards a certain group. And so then and there's always a pitfall to everything. There's nothing that is perfect, nothing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, like just like one way of healing is not going to be the right way of healing for someone else. I mean, that's exactly. just, it, it's so there's always going to be someone that's going to be like, well, that blah, blah, blah. It is so difficult. It's, there's such a beauty and such a detraction of our ability of communication now. I mean, you can, the reach is huge mm-hmm. and it's amazing, but it's, it's a little scary sometimes. Yeah. Speaking I, of fear. <laughs> yeah. And so now I just kind of like took the bull by the horns, kind so to speak, because I was tired. I wasn't excited about sharing content on TikTok anymore. I was very, very middle of the line. And I was like, you know what? I want to speak to my audience. So I'm going to speak to my audience. So I just like hopped on, no eyebrows, nothing, no filter. Well, maybe I, I did do a filter, but <laughs> she's <laughs> but honest, I, everybody. At least she's honest. <laughs> I did a filter. So there's a, a little glow there. But I, I said, look, this account is for millennial and Gen Z entrepreneurs that are trying to hit six figures. So they could take care of their family and themselves and, but they want to do it, but they're dealing with burnout, ADHD, intergenerational trauma, anxiety, and depression. So they're trying to heal and succeed at the same time. So this is that, this is that account. Anyone else, if you have more severe conditions, this isn't for you. If you're 14 and want to learn about astral projection, this is it for you. This (laughs) is, (laughs) this is, this, this is the account. And then people are like, I'm Gen X. I'm like, that's that's cool. But just so as you know, as, you know, as right. long as you know who I'm talking to. And I'm going to say it in every video. This video is for Gen X. And so just like, I'm just, I'm going to let everyone know By in the, the way, beginning. It's smart. It's so, smart. so please swipe away. Because now, because I realized when you talk in that, in that medium, it's very powerful. So it hits people right in the subconscious. So it can trigger them into action or trigger them into inspiration or trigger them into anger. So I need to, I started to put that buffer, that pattern interrupt and say, this is for these people. If this I mean, isn't you, keep it moving. <laughs> just, I mean, you know that better than anyone because of what you do, how easily you can, you know, direct a mind. Exactly. So that's really, I mean, how do you feel in general about, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Like, how do you feel in general about social media or where we're at in the world, knowing how easily affected and swayed we are subconsciously? Yeah. So I'm, I'm now extremely careful and I am, I'm less sarcastic because um, <laughs> people sometimes it does not you can be sarcastic with me here. But yes, it's true. When you're, t- when you're writing and people are reading the tone <laughs> I've had to, like, sometimes when I'm responding to someone I don't know, like on a Facebook runner or something, and I'm like genuinely curious about something, like I've actually written like, hey, just, you know, this is legitimately genuine curiosity, just in case tonally it's coming off as something else. Because I'm like, (laughs) they don't know me. They could think I'm like attacking them with this question versus I'm just like, wow, if you're willing to tell me, will you tell me more? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. can really throw the whole thing off, but keep going. Sorry. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I really, really um, started to think about the intentionality of my my posts 
and also the energy that I post in as well. Mm. And I now make sure it's like, should I share this? I really do take the time now to say, is this worth sharing? And who do I want to share this with? And what do I want them to get from this? And so I stopped focusing on the possible people that would take it the wrong way and focus on the people I truly want to hear this message. And then I make it clear that it's for them. So this way people can, it's kind of like outside of their frequency sometimes, you know, with um, TikTok has very, very powerful energy. Like they have a for you page, right? Their, Their algorithm is so spot on really. So it's, it's just acts really fast. It really is connected to your subconscious actions and what you like, what videos you take time to watch, you know, even if you don't. So I, it's important that people realize that if you don't like something on your, your for you page, for example, on TikTok or even Twitter, stop liking or interacting with things like that. And you'll see less of it. Right. So, and talk about okay. how important it is, like what you're putting in front of you, how that actually does start to affect your pattern. Yeah, it, it really does. And, and so understanding that, that tech, technology and its algorithms are now really heavily connected to our minds, our mental algorithms. I started to be more intentional with my content creation. I, and it made me even more um, or less likely to water my messaging down anymore. So people know. And how do you feel in general as like the world is moving in that direction and you're you're dealing with people who are depressed and anxious and ha- have trauma. How does it affect people in a bigger way? So I feel like people are more open and sharing their struggles um, because for example, on Instagram and social media it used to just be a highlight reel. But 2020 made people like really they couldn't escape themselves. So people are sharing more of their lows, which makes it people are relating to each other more across different demographics, different different um, sectional intersectionalities now. So we kind of are seeing how similarly we are when it comes down to it when it comes down to fear, anger, sadness, guilt, all of it, when you bring it down to the granular level is something we all experience no matter what. Let's go back to how we were talking about how so much of this starts from the minute you're born from kindergarten, how how really at the core, a lot of anxiety and fear, as you were saying, is this lack of a true self foundation. Like I think you said earlier, you have to build a home, but the home is within you so that you're always okay going back there um, because that is where the healing begins. Um, Talk about the idea that what people don't realize is, you know, we have this amazing brain, which you will fill us in more about because you are the expert here that has all these amazing neural pathways. And when we're born, so many of them are firing and and working. And then Mm -hmm. very quickly, we're just deepening certain ones by, like you were saying, getting certain pattern responses. And those pathways are getting deeper and deeper. And slowly, the other ones are actually being shut off. Mm -hmm. So before we know it, we're only using a very narrow percentage of these like neural pathways, and they're just getting stronger. And so talk about that a little bit and how that is so much becomes our patterning and how we respond to joy, happiness, sadness, depression, anxiety, and then subsequently 
how you do have the power to actually shift those neural pathways, create new ones, create new habitual pathways in your own brain. Yeah. So a lot of time, and then, and then you can also inherit them too with Ancestral. epigenetics. Yeah. Oof. And, and so guys, we're way- all fucked. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> we're so delicate, yeah, delicate little flowers. And we were, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, so the good news is that with neuroplasticity, you can change, you can teach an old dog new tricks. There's never, it's it's just a little difficult, more difficult because of the wiring is stronger, but you can rewire your brain and you can rewire your, um, your instincts and your intuition and your bodily reactions. So with my, with the way that I use hypnosis, um, I also use it with energy and with um, somatic healing. So when you have a session with me, you also feel it in your body because a lot of times what we are experiencing is based on a memory that we, you know, happened to us before we could maybe even form words or it's so deep down that we don't have the words to say it. It's like, why am I sad? Why am I not happy with my success? Like, what is really, what's wrong? Why do I feel this need to do this? And so under hypnosis, we're really able to go pull it out and really have you feel and experience it and understand it and then release it. Hmm. And so once you release the just thought is what they call it, the first instance of that feeling or that belief, and you release it, it's like a string of pearls. So you release it in your mind and your body. And so you feel this relief. And this is when you spark that new pathway. And then if you continuously work on this new pathway, empowering it, and strengthening it, strengthening this this reaction, the old reaction will get weaker and soon fall away. And that's and when you see a true shift. I love that. And do you and it's interesting how right now do you feel like, especially people you've worked with, because of like we've been talking about the trauma of the pandemic and these as you you started the conversation in the beginning saying how so many structures are falling down. And so therefore internally, I always say whatever's happening in the collective is also happening internally. So when the energy of the collective was, you know, structures falling apart, you know, really trying to figure out what works and doesn't work where equality is where it's not the same thing is happening within your own system. And so you can ignore it, which a lot of people are. And I can tell those people the ones struggling the most right now, because they're (laughs) trying to be like, I'm just waiting for everything to go back to exactly how it was. And then I'll pick up from there and I find they're struggling the most. Um, And then there's people who are like, okay, let me work with this and are moving in and figuring it out. But do you find that because it's been so presented, I mean, for some people presented in really tough ways, like the structure of your job being gone or the safety of your paycheck being gone or um, your relationship all of a sudden ending. I mean, or losing someone, you know, unfortunately. So the familial structure might be gone or that best friend you relied on might be gone. Whatever it is, it's, 
like we said, these things that we were told are exactly what it's supposed to be, whether they were good for us or not good for us, a lot of them are gone. And so you were forced to kind of wade in the deep end for the first time, like without challenging yourself to do it, you were kind of pushed there. So do you feel like for a lot of people, they're starting to actually become aware of this, of like, oh God, I'm now understanding I have this patterning or I have this habitual thing that maybe they may not have been aware of before? Yeah, definitely people are becoming more self-aware because they don't, they have less external stimuli to distract them from themselves or to escape from themselves. So people are kind of trying to figure out, okay, so what is this that I am experiencing? <laughs> what, what is the true issue? And, and they're finding um, answers or they're seeking answers. So I think that people are more open to um, holistic remedies now, alternative healthcare, because they see that our, you, the US healthcare system is designed for um, treatment, but when it's too late, but by the time it's too late or if it's you know severe, when now it's like, all right, so we need to focus on preventing even getting to that point, protecting that's also ourselves. With our mental health too. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't realize that's also, yeah. there's things, and you should talk about this. What are things people can do every day that's actually preventative? You don't realize it. Like your mental health is fragile. It's not just a given, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, consumption. Consumption in all forms is important. The media, um, the people that you interact with or communicate daily, um, it's time to start preserving your yourself and your mental health, kind of treating yourself like the delicate flower that you are, um, you know, watering yourself, giving yourself sunlight, um, the food that you need. Even um, there's a study with um, like the school, they had to, they purchased two plants, the same plants, and they put it in the back of the class, they put them in the back of the classroom and they fed them, watered them, gave them the same amount of light. But one plant they gave compliments and the other plant they talked down to. Oh my God, my heart actually just hurt while you were saying it. Yeah, and the plant died and they were like, and so the one girl took it home to her mom so they could like bring it back to life. But yeah, imagine what, what happens to your soul, you know, what happens to you how you feel. So take care of what you expose yourself to. Don't look at the phone as soon as you wake up. Take time to talk to yourself. Ask yourself how you're feeling. What, what do you need? What do I need today? What would I like to feel today? What would I like to happen today? And ruminate on the possibilities of something good happening. And then when you do need to maintain awareness, like check Apple News once a week, you know, if it's a if it's a national emergency, you'll you'll know. But um, doom scrolling is is not the wave. There's so many things on Amazon right now and YouTube where you can really cultivate your your media consumption and have it be stuff that feeds your soul. Um, silly things to be like your old cart old cartoons from your childhood that you liked. Um, just a, your favorite 
YouTube vlogger just talking about makeup. All those frivolous people think things that people deem frivolous are actually the most nutritious, um, nutritious for for your soul because it makes you happy. And and then understand that the better you feel, the better you feel. Yeah. What are other things people can do? Um, like if they can't book a session, let's say with you, what are other things people can do that can start rewire, like practical things people can do to start changing and like getting out of the rut of ang- daily anxiety or daily fear or frustrations and just being able to shift that perspective to one of optimism or trust? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, you know, folk- also breathing, mm-hmm. taking time to breathe more, um, like breathing is really important. We actually don't really breathe and send enough oxygen to our brains to take a moment to give you that split second before you react to something, you know, that can make your situation worse. Mm -hmm. So taking that time to breathe, that can get you out of situations where you're always um, having to argue or, you know, be in something that stresses you out. And then also when you have, when you start to take that minute or that second, it starts to get longer the more you practice. And then soon you'll notice that you have more time for peace and less time for conflict, which is giving you more time to your life, which yes. is really at the end goal. Versus giving it away. You know, you say something, I love it. You've really worked with people to get kind of beyond these fears of money and success. But one of the things you've said is the healing comes is it, what do you say? Like the healing comes with the success or before the success. It's not like, Hey, let me become successful. And then I can deal with all my crap. It's yeah. like, you need to heal and then the success will come. Yeah. And, or it makes it easier to get successful as you're doing the process. So, you know, you're starting your Shopify shop or you're starting your personal brand or you're starting your coaching business. And, um, you're like, okay, let me just get my few, a few clients and then I can start therapy or I can start doing this or I can start breath work or I can start eating right. No, do it at <laughs> <Well>. once. <laughs> start both. You can do both. And in fact, you eating right will give you the energy to hop on your coaching sessions and really give your clients results. You um, being able to vent and talk to a, a professional will allow you to not go off on someone on Twitter. <laughs> so <laughs> destroy your brand. Uh, so it really, it, it, you know, I like to use practical examples. Yeah. So people really see um, the importance of it because you kind you now, when you listen to this episode, you're going to go online and start looking at business owners and kind of see where their wounds are, you know, yeah. like for what, like I had an issue. I thought like I would go out, I would just get so angry when people would copy me or, and wouldn't give me credit. And it was like, what is them copying me, giving them? Is that even, it's not even their niche. They're just like, regurgitating something I created Mm -hmm. and then what does it mean when someone copies you that means you're an influencer right that's what isn't that what you were working towards becoming a brain influencer so you're doing what you're supposed to do duh and I was like oh yeah right (laughs) right and then giving credit or not giving credits their own issue yeah something that they have to figure out and work with like because yes inherently that's not right but not your issue their issue yeah 
And, and so um, it really, it just, instead of me spending time and then soon now I don't even notice them. Like some people will like just message me, but it's like, huh. I used to like ruin my day. Isn't that funny how much you've grown? Yeah. Well, speaking of you, so tell me, you were saying you're not your first generation Nigerian. Mm -hmm. So you're who was here, who came over? What's give me a little bit of your background. Um, both my parents are Nigerian. So my dad came and then went back, married my mom and came to the States. And so I have a younger sibling. So it's interesting just um, like their views on marriage, business, money, everything. It's stuff that I had to, um, you know, Unpack. deprogram and release myself because it doesn't, it doesn't work now. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like what? Like, um, it was everything. So there's a, within class two, four people that are first generation class comes into play. So my parents didn't come here to like escape poverty or anything. They came here just um, because they had business here. So they go back and forth. So when they have children, we are supposed to almost be like their prize, <laughs> prize possessions and to show people that they, they're really successful. Mm -hmm. So I was living my life under just on this template, templated life and the choices and things that were important to me turned out to not be important to me and that's why I struggled with them or why it seemed so difficult because I really didn't want it but I didn't understand that like and, what's something that you felt like you finally um, gave up that med school it's a big one yeah and, and now I'm in grad school but it's my choice and I love it but at the time when I was studying for the MCATs and and then um, I was doing an internship and then having to I just did, it was not what I wanted to. I could not see myself. And I was just very angry. Like I was just upset all the time. And I didn't really connect it to me doing stuff that I wanted to do. But I, it just, it, once I released that, that need to do that, I felt so much freer. And um, I went into tech, the tech industry and where I was able to use my knowledge and my creativity and um, my curiosity and everything that, you know, made me a great student. I was good at it, but I just didn't love it. And so it was so much easier to do something and learn something that I actually liked. What are other cultural things? Like, as you were saying, it's like, what are other cultural things that you have? Oh yeah. Um, so just the idea that um, my decisions have to seem to impact everyone else in the families, how they look. Like if I decide that I don't wanna have children, for example, people will think that they failed as parents. Now that's a hard one to actually dislodge from because it's it's like when you're out of it, I'm sure it seems so obvious. It's like, duh, it's my life. Why yeah. I even like when you're out of it, but when you're in it, you feel so beholden to your parents and responsible. <laughs> so it's a tough one to kind of, you know, the idea of disappointing them or making them in quote unquote, look bad is that's, it's hard as a dutiful child. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a lot of guilt. And so that is, that leads to burnout, like the emotional guilt, fear, all of that contributes to burnout. And that's why it's important to, to understand that unravel that um, because it, it can show up in your business. So you, you all of a sudden have this need to, to make six figures 
in three months when you just bought your domain because you want to prove to your parents that you didn't go to med school for a reason you're still going to be successful and they don't even know how to find your website so it's like what are you doing <laughs> why are you doing that they still don't understand um so so it's it can it can be when when you have that motivation that negative fear trying to prove yourself motivation it can be stressful trying to hit your goals rather than satisfactory you know satisfactory and that energy is important so when you're hopping on a discovery call when you're posting on instagram when you're trying to run facebook ads or you're trying to run log a um, write a blog post when you're trying to do anything when you're trying to study a new method or tweet something you're doing it so you can tell your mom <laughs> versus like helping people I was gonna say I mean it's so clearly outlines kind of what you're saying is you got to do the healing at the same time because don't you also want to make sure that you aren't putting all this effort into a business if that's not truly where you're supposed to be. So yeah. not only is it like wasting energy, but how do you make sure that you're actually heading in the direction that you truly want to go? So it isn't just a byproduct of proving it. It's also like, yes, maybe it's where you want to go and you'd like to prove it. So like, let's work on doing <laughs> that up. But yeah. how do you make sure that you're even heading in the direction and that's of pure intent? Yeah. Um, how do you feel when you think about your goals? You know, do you have excitement or is it exhaustion if someone said you have to do this for the rest of your life and maybe in the next life would you be excited or would you be content with that or would you like dread it are you already thinking of your escape plan that's a huge one like escape plans because that goes in relationships too i tell people that too i'm like if you're already figuring out in your head how to like slowly kill this person like me <laughs> like, slowly back out of the room um, <laughs> But yeah, it's um, it's so interesting. Paying attention to your emotions around what you're doing is a huge indicator. Yeah, if if this isn't something, because I didn't realize how much you really have to lock in the lock in the frequency of joy in any anything and everything that you do, and or contentment or okay or neutral be neutral at least. Mm -hmm. when you do certain things. So when I create content, I love it. Like, it's not something people are like, what's your strategy? And I'm like, I really just ask myself, like, what do people need to know today? My, not people, like my people that I want to help need to know what I want them to know today, or how can I help them today? And that's how I create content. And, it, and it's not something that is no longer exhausting because I had two businesses prior to this and these businesses were um, in tech and in advertising. So these were like the, you know, real business, like make a lot of money and you could be an entrepreneur.com and you could just like, you know, be known as the person in tech, fast company. That's why I saw, I saw myself, I have to be on a cover of fast company, I have to do all this. And I hated it. <laughs> I was making, I made multiple six figures um, the first year, but I was tired. And I could, and every time I got a new client, it was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, like, you weren't excited about starting the new endeavor with that. Client. Yeah. And I felt like, oh God, here I go again. Yeah. It's like, oh, you got to do this again. 
And I said, this is, there's something wrong here. And um, now that I'm running a business that I truly love and I could do forever, I see it's different. But, you know, if you don't feel that way now, that's okay. Um, because I, I learning what I went through in my first two businesses helped me make this business better. So sometimes it's a, it's a long way. It's not a race, you know, um, take your time. If this is, if you're feeling this way in your business, give it time, feel it out. You, you can't fail. You really can't fail. Like you could shut, you, you shutter this business and you start another one. That doesn't mean that you failed. That means that you learned and now you're going to apply it to this one. It's so true. How did you get your way to hypnosis? So what was the, the whole, yeah. whole so zigzag? Uh, I, I used it. Um, I had hypnosis when I was in sales um, and did NLP sessions for learning how to close deals and negotiation. So it's really, you know, the power of language. I understood the power of language and, but I wasn't, I still didn't um, know the importance of self-talk until hypnosis and really taking time to get to know myself and understand myself because it was kind of like I was driving the car, I was living on autopilot. And so taking that moment to really check in and, you know, go into first gear with um, a hypnosis that was in a program about manifestation. And I was interested in manifestation because it seemed like there was this lightness, there was this ease that I wanted, you know? I was getting the things that I wanted, but it seemed like I was working so hard to get them and I was so tired. So I was just like, I want to be able to get the things that I want with ease. Mm. So what is this? How do you do this? And so going into the program, there was a hypnosis audio and the hypnosis audio was basically finding out the moment where you installed this negative belief about money or this belief that money was hard to get or you needed money for some reason. And so doing the hypnosis, it was it ended up being like an inner child, inner child healing hypnosis. So I was able to find the memory that was linked to how I spent my money because it turns out it wasn't about me making money. It was about how I spent it. So I was always spending it like so fast that I would need to make more. And so I was on this constant cycle. So I never got to really rest. It just wasn't something you were remotely aware of until you No. So it's not like I was aware, but I couldn't figure it out. And this helped me crack it. You weren't even on that scent. No, I just knew that it was hard for some reason. I realized it was because you're spending your money, honey. (laughs) (laughs) What was the memory? Can you share? Um, Yeah. So I was, it went back to um, second grade and I was at the lunch table with my friends and we saw another girl open her lunch bag and it was just like, no, it wasn't Disney, anything, just had a plain sandwich bag and no crust, just like, and they're like, ew, I bet it's like store brand peanut butter. <laughs> and and I just remember going, um, getting picked up by my mom and I'm bothering her and saying, do we have store bought, uh, store brand peanut butter? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was just, I ran to the fridge to make sure that it was Jif. Right. <laughs> and so I, every time I see GIF now, I just remember that. It was so, so there funny. was like already in your brain, kind of this idea of you have to have 
the best, the best. Brand, name brand stuff or no one will like you or no one will think you're successful. People would be like, ew. <laughs> God, that's so interesting that you went back to there. That's fascinating. Yeah, I was living in Brooklyn with a two bedroom apartment because I felt like I needed to have a two bedroom so I could have my office since I was running a business. Um, and then there was another memory where when I first, my first attempt to go into business for myself, people were calling me unemployed. Like so-called friends were saying, oh, this, she's unemployed. But I was like, no, I'm starting my design business, you know? And so that stuck with me. So I needed to have this office space and my, my bedroom and show it on Instagram, show it everyone. Everyone needs to know that I lived in New York. I couldn't move back to New Jersey. I need to be in New York. Um, so it was just all these things. So I was, I was working to fund an Instagram lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I was, so I was unhappy in my two bedroom Brooklyn apartment. Did you get rid of it? Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I moved to Cali. And that's when you went to California. Yeah. How, that's so interesting and interesting to have that awareness of, wow, I'm spending all this money. I'm creating all this money so I can spend it to just defend this idea that I think people need to have of me. Yeah. Versus let me just do the job and not give a shit what they yeah. think. And wow. And so then, and so once you kind of unlock that, it shifted. And so that's yeah. when you started doing it for yourself. And then when were you like, okay, this pow- this is powerful. I need to... I saw a lot of myself in my clients at the time because I was, I had my agency, tech agency and ads, but I was also helping startup founders get funding, business funding. And people would be like highly qualified to get funding, but they just wouldn't turn in their application for some reason because they couldn't see it. They didn't see it as a possibility. They're already saying they're not gonna get approved before they even sent me what they needed (laughs) to see if they were approved. And so I was like, yeah, mindset is really important. At the time I was just saying mindset, mindset and hypnosis. And so I wanted to get certified so I can offer it to my clients. But by the time I finished the the year of training, I didn't even want to do that business anymore. It was just like, no. And I felt okay. Like I struggled at first when I was in the, during the program, but by the end I was like, no, <laughs> just cut it. Just that's it. But it's interesting. I mean, so I do feel like everything happens for a reason. So it's like that business could have existed in order to get you to actually study it. Yeah, a hundred percent motivation in the beginning, and now you use it for very different things. Exactly. Yeah. If I didn't have those clients, um, I probably wouldn't have even attempted to get certified. And so talk about just in general, the basis of hypnosis, where you feel like you've seen it have the biggest changes and effects within your clients. Um, really about their, their it, it impacts their um, views, their belief systems, which impacts them on the day to day. So two people can wake up and it's raining outside. One people's like, oh, the day's ruined. And one person's like, yeah, I get to stay in and read a book. So really their quality of life, it has improved just because the lens of their beliefs has improved. Isn't it so interesting how there's just so many different angles to look at something and it really is just how you choose to do it. And so many Mm -hmm. people, when you're in it, when you're in the negativity, you don't possibly see 
the ability of seeing it all. And it's funny. And when you somehow are pulled out of that in the positivity, it's not even that you're necessarily positive. You just have this ability to see the entire perspective and know that you can choose to fall over here. It's like, you can see the negative too, when you're in that good place, but you just know that you don't have to live in it. Yeah. But when you're in, you know, the frequency of anxiety or depression and stuff like that, it's just so hard. It's so hard. It is. It's really it, hard to go ahead. It's yeah. Just fogginess. Just can't, it's no, it's no clear day. Do you, do you feel like most of your work, your self work that you were doing in that sense where hypnosis helped you was mostly kind of around the money and just idea of what you wanted to do for a living? Like as far as there other stuff as well? Yeah. Yeah, because um, I was limiting myself a lot and waiting for me to feel good financially to do certain things. Yeah. How's your relationship with your parents now? I mean, you just stayed with them over the pandemic. So I'm yeah, it's, it's much better. Definitely um, look at them and understand a lot of just understanding where they're coming from has, has really helped me calm down to emotion and feel and take less of the sting or um, anger from the relationship. So I'm much less angry and it's harder for them to, to make me feel guilty. <laughs> like, no, right. <laughs> That's <was> you. <laughs> it's That's how one, you feel. Yeah. It's one of the things I say all the time on here too. It's cause I, you know, have a lot of mommy friends and it's always a lot of, they shamed me. They shame me. My first line is like, you can only be shamed if you let yourself be shamed. So like, it's if you don't care or let yourself be shamed, nothing that person says is actually going to bother you. You'll look at them and be like, oh my God, I can't believe they're even saying those things. You just see how much it's about them. Then you realize it has anything to do with you. Exactly. How do your sibling, you said you have a sibling or siblings? Uh, siblings. Yeah. How do they, how are, have, are, did they fall in the similar trappings um, and have like, have you, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're going on their own journey. You know, um, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I, I take less responsibility in, in trying to set an example anymore for them. Um, Cause I know like what I do is what I do. So um, I try to give them the, extend the same grace to them too. Right. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I mean, I love this conversation. I think it's so important. I think especially in today's day and age, like with what we are going through and it's only, it's going to get harder. You know, I know people feel like, oh, there was an election. Things are automatically going to change. And it's like, no, there's a, a ripple effect of an economy of what's happened with our pandemic. Like it's going to be a tough, at least couple of years. I mean, for sure ahead of mm -hmm. us, I think emotionally shifting financially. And so I feel like this idea, like you're talking about mindset and using, you know, hypnosis and self-talk, like you've talked a lot about self-talk and I think that's huge knowing that there are little things you can do every day to really help yourself see the way out, or at least like you said, get to know yourself in a better way and be comfortable in yourself so you can handle all the stuff around you. Cause I think that's so important. People don't realize if you're more confident in liking yourself, you know, as awful as the stuff can be crumbling and it doesn't mean it can't, it could be really awful. Um, but there'll be more of a grace. I feel like that you can walk it with. Yeah, a hundred percent. The I know people are tired of hearing it, but <laughs> resilience, you know, <laughs> building that resilience in all areas of your life. Yeah, you talk a lot about the idea that you 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 are trauma informed, um, with, and I like what do you say, and you are culturally competent. Which I what do you mean by that? 
So being able to look at people, to understand that my view on certain issues or the way that I experience certain things um, isn't, isn't the same for everyone, it's especially certain um, freedoms religiously and culturally. For example, um, there was a sales training program that I was in where they were telling us to go outside in New York, like, um, and it was like, I believe it was around 9-11 too. And so I had um, one of my friends, one of the people in there, she's Muslim and she wears a hijab. And so she was like, I don't feel comfortable just like going up to people to you know, focus on like, is there any other type of training that we can do? They're like, no, you just gotta go out and just, you know, she's trying to like, <laughs> trying to say it without saying it because she didn't want attention. So I had to go and talk to the trainer and say, um, you know, check the date and <laughs> hello, like you have to understand what, where she's coming from. And so a lot of people I realized don't, don't really have that, um, it's a skill. Because it wasn't yes. like I was born like, hey, everyone, I know everything about everything. Like, no, it's something that I, I expose myself to different cultures. And I actively um, ask questions, actively read up on what's going on in different countries, um, different demographics than myself. And um, a lot of people kind of how I teach. So I have um, an inclusive coaching program called Kindred Leadership. And for me, I teach people to be intuitive and inclusive. So when you're creating your programs, when you're posting something, you think about your ideal client. For me, a lot of people um, put pictures or stuff from their customer avatars, like that old like exercise that you do for marketing. My person doesn't have like a form that I, I do soul avatar, essentially, um, little, just like their energy. And this person, the soul, no matter what their demographic is, is the strong friend, the person that's there for everyone. But mm. when they turn around, they don't have anyone there for them. And this is something that goes beyond race, gender, age, age everything, because everyone has felt that you know, um, and I, so when I talk, I speak to them and I understand the urgency that they experience to heal and succeed because they know that they need to have a solid foundation they need to be successful so they can take care of themselves because there's no one there to take care of them. So I know the importance of su success to them. I know the, that they can't just like quit or fall back on anything. They don't have anything to fall back on. And this is something that people can relate to no matter what their background is. This is just, but this is a specific experience for some. So when I tell my um, students in the course, I say, you're, you're teaching intuitive eating. Who are you teaching intuitive eating to? Despite, and then now that you have your soul avatar, is there anything in this demographic that can impact, impede them or block them from coming to you? Is there anything in this demographic that can impede them or block them from coming to you? So you have to think about it like for body positivity, 
if I'm someone from a conservative or a culture or religion that I can't show my, you know, I can't be like in a bikini on, on, on Instagram to prove that I'm body positive. How can I prove that I'm body positive within my parameters? Does that mean that I can't be body positive if I can't, if I show my body? So that's something when you think about being inclusive, that's not and then understanding if someone asks you that question, they're not slut shaming you or they're not trying to, it's not about you. It's they're actually asking you because they don't know. Right. That's so interesting. Have you felt a responsibility um, culturally? Have you felt like as a black woman, have you felt like this responsibility? Because I know you were saying it earlier, which I thought was really interesting how you were saying you know, you've, you've been really trying to pull out for females and women of this idea of you can have your own issues. You're not just the mule. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for people that, so especially for um, black women, there is this fine line between sacrifice. We, a lot of times we think that helping is sacrificing Mm -hmm. when helping is really leading and showing others that the way. So moving from mule to matriarch, you do not have to, (laughs) there's a saying in Nigeria, I can't come kill myself now for, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) it's like whenever someone wants you to do something extremely difficult, you're like, I can't come here and kill myself now. So that's basically what you need to think. It's like, I'm not going to be able to help anybody if I'm dead. Right. And so um, the energy of, sacrifice so when so for me the way I'm able to prevent my energy or becoming a mule is by telling people specifically this account is for these people ages this to this I'm not here to raise anyone right and I'm not here to coddle or I'm not here to minimize any of anyone else's experiences so these are the parameters of this account. And this is what I'll be talking about. That's it. So ask me questions in this subject area. And someone will be like, can I ask you a personal question? No, you cannot. <laughs> you know, so it's Sorry. really, yeah, yeah. So it's like really, and then for me too, my identity, I see myself, at, I, I saw when I saw, when I was getting angry about people copying me and then that understanding that I am influencing, which means I am leading, and moving into that identity, now I can take on that responsibility because leadership is not about people worshiping you. Leadership is about responsibility. So you have to be okay if you wanna set, create a business where you are a leader or you can be, create a business where you are um, and for information, you know, someone there to provide information, but it's like, it's up to you to do what you, so you have to kind of think about the identity that you're going to take on in your business and move into that and accept that. So some people can be inclusive in the content that they share, you know, think about it, but to make it very clear like this, and then to understand that this space is for everyone, you know, but be okay with not being for everyone at the same time. Right. It's so interesting. I mean, the idea of being a leader's responsibility versus having a bunch of people worship you, I think is so important for people to take to heart right now. Because I think there's a lot, because the fact that we live, like we said earlier, we live in a, a day and age where there is so much information. 
And it's very easy for people to latch on very quickly. And like Mm -hmm. you said, not do the work, not really go out of your way and understand what it is you're learning, get different points of view so you can see where you fall in on that. I feel like people are so blindly following now um, that I think it puts a lot of a heavier onus, which a lot of people aren't taking that responsibility if you are becoming a leader or creating a space where people are listening to you. That is an onus on you, I feel like, of also, and I think you're doing it, making sure that people are responsible for themselves. Yeah, 100%. And I tell people that the way I teach inclusivity is geared towards really um, the spiritual community in terms, so I'm not not a um, diversity inclusion specialist for corporate. If I do work, I do work with some corporate startups, but they're, they're wellness-based. So it's still a different culture than traditional corporate. So people have that understanding as well from the the lens that I'm sharing it. And I tell people to always um, try to take information from different sources so then you can come to your own conclusions. So so don't just take my my course and be like, that is it. (laughs) It's like, I'm really, I'm meeting you present day and I'll give you a brief overview of the history so you can understand and give, give you a lens of what people, different people are looking at the situation from, so you understand, but you know, you still have to do a lot of the work yourself. Right. Oh my God, this is such a pleasure talking to you. Let me do the four U's, four quick questions with four quick <laughs> answers. So what is one thing you can't live without during the pandemic? Um, my cacao. <laughs> that is like really? this mushroom. Yeah. Magic mushroom. Do do you, um, if there's like one book or documentary or teacher that resonates the most with you or had the most influence on you, who or what would that be? Um, I would say Bob Proctor. Because too, and even because he's still alive today, but um, he was one of the biggest people in the spiritual community to come out and make a standalone video saying that we believe that black lives matter. And from the, the you know, he's older. So he's been here for like almost a century to see like the, that it's not so long ago, like these shifts and these changes. So, and, and the way that he looks at life and explains it um, has always resonated with me. How was that for you during, um, I mean, it's funny that we always say during Black Lives Matter when it shouldn't be a a time. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what I'm referring to, being part of the wellness community. How was that? Because I mean, I think that was a shifting point for me where it became very clear that things were changing in the community. And and like I said, some people were just loving and lighting things away. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious as um, a black woman, how that, how it felt for you, because you were probably more aware of it than other people. Yeah, it definitely um, changed the definition of leadership for me. Um, and knowing that leadership wasn't something that came with hitting seven figures, nope. you know, it's like a leader and a marketer are different. <laughs> so you're good at marketing, but are you good at leading? So now, when I look at my teachers, when I look at people that I choose to learn from, I take that into account as well. Like, is this person, am I learning their marketing strategies or am I learning their leadership capabilities or leadership strategies? That's so 
I, I wish everybody would come to the world that way because I find, again, it goes back to the social media. It's very confusing for people. People take like followings right away as if these people know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. And they don't often equal. If anything, sometimes it's dangerous because it is more of a marketing, great marketing than it is actually the quality behind it. And I mean, quality is not the right word, but um, I don't know if it's authenticity either, but exactly like you said, the leadership quality, I should say behind it. Yeah, because you can join someone's course, but you need to kind of understand what you expect from them. You know, this isn't, I don't want to push people into all of a sudden being civil rights leaders because that is not like their their mission or why they're here. They're sometimes here just to facilitate it's a change, you know? So it helped me to um, take out a lot of emotion mm-hmm. or emotional weight that I put on people like this isn't my mom on so like let her let her go to the beach it's okay. right let, her let, let the girl go to the beach she's not gonna end systemic racism this weekend uh so that's funny so I also showed me too like how um how I could help because I know there's this saying that black people didn't create racism so how can we end it but um I want to take the responsibility of healing away from to and back into our hands so we can heal we may not be able to end it but we can start healing the effects of it so we don't pass it on to future generations because that's what keeps it, the ball rolling the trauma yeah, yeah. trauma informing trauma informing trauma <laughs> how so what is your morning routine what do you do when you wake up so um when i wake up it sometimes changes cuz i don't really um it depends on I guess my cycle, the moon cycle, but it's either um, I stay in and I write or I read or I just walk to clear my head if it's if I have a lot on my mind. So, but I do not, I'm very careful about what I consume in the early hours. I don't hop onto social media until like two o'clock every day. Wow. And when do you, do you have, like, do you keep a morning time where you're like, I'm, this is just free time, basically, it sounds like for whatever I yeah. need. Yeah. You so don't, you don't schedule work stuff or stuff for yourself to do work-wise until a no. later. Either I have classes or I have to study or any or write or think or just like sit. That's when I do it. I love that. It's so nice. It's like, and by the way, I always tell people schedule is your best friend. Like you can schedule stuff for yourself. If yeah. You to, yeah. Schedule the breaks. Um, Okay, pandemic was over tomorrow. Quarantine lifted. Where would you go? I would go to Paris. Why? Because there is, I don't know, there's just this energy that has been pushing me there. I love that. <laughs> I love I love Paris. So I yeah, Paris one of my favorite places. <laughs> This has been so amazing. And I mean, so much helpful, incredible information. I'm so excited for your personal practice. (laughs) I mean, thank you for sharing with the community. And I think giving people amazing pointers and things to think about in a really hard time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, If it's just taking the time um, and envisioning the life that you want and envisioning when everything is going to be okay will keep you on that path and start. So you'll start focusing on opportunities for that ideal future versus the obstacles. That's so nice.
<laughs> I feel like you're, you're like one of those friends that like someone would just call to be like, okay, give it to me. Like, what's the, phrase? <laughs> what, what, what's the phrase that's going to make me instantly feel better. <laughs> it's a good quality, yeah. by the way. Thank you. Oh no, of course. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. No, I'm happy to share. I love sharing this with as many people as I can. So now Juliet's going to lead us in her future pacing meditation. All right, everyone. So just take a nice deep breath in and breathe out and just feel a wave of relaxation washing over you. It's a little heavy, but it is allowing you stillness, just a moment of stillness because you deserve just three minutes, just three minutes to set up your entire day, which will set up your entire week, which will set up your entire month, then year and life. So be okay with taking these three minutes for yourself. Now, speaking of yourself, I want you to think about what is really bothering you right now? What are you worried about? And what is the ideal outcome you'd like to have? Because if you knew that it was going to be all right, everything would be okay, would you be worried about it today? So think about your ideal outcome. Now, I want you to think about a time in the future where this outcome has already passed. Everything turned out all right, and it's one week after. And you're sitting down either somewhere in your kitchen, at home, or shop, a friend's house, but you're sitting and the thought comes to you, wow, everything actually turned out okay. How do you feel right now? Are you happy? Are you relieved? Are you content? Are you excited? Look down at your hands and look around you. You are in this moment where everything turned out all right. Last week, it's already happened. It's done. Now that you know it's done, what was the first thing you did to make it happen? Got it? Good. Now take a deep breath in and out and come back to now, back into the room where you are feeling so much more relaxed, so much more relieved, so much more excited, positive, and know exactly what you need to do to get back to that moment.
Den Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielik, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also, wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.